Hi, this is David from Wedding Business Growth. Wedding Business Growth is committed to helping you succeed in the wedding and events industry and grow your business in a sustainable way. Thank you for tuning into Wedding Business Growth Podcast. And now stay tuned for part one of this episode. Right, here we go. What's up, Frank? What's up? You know what? I, I totally forgot about the intro video earlier. I you know, I forgot I can just hit live and it starts it for you. So it, I started it the old school way, but you know, it's all good. We'll 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 get through it. Yeah, no, and then right as you said that, like my kids are like, ah, like right past me. <laughs> no worries, man. Hey, it's live. This is that's what happens in life. Live live life, life live. I don't know. Yeah. No, no, one one, one ran past me and got instantly quiet. The other one who just slammed the door went to walk past me to get mad at the other one and then saw that I was doing this and just rolled his eyes, turned around, and, and went back in his room. That's hilarious. Hilarious. They, they, like, Dad, I can't even get mad right now because you're on you're uh, live on, on video. That's exactly what it is. But, hey, at least they get it, you know? What do you do, man? What do you do? Yeah, no, I mean, you just keep it keep it pushing, right? Yes, sir. That's all you can. So what's up, man? What you been up Not to? Not a whole lot, man. I, I got to share something with you, man. I, uh, I I didn't send you the photos because I didn't know if they would gross you out or not. But I got a, uh, a cut on my leg um, last weekend. And strangely enough, I don't even know how I got the cut. 
um, it was probably just one of those things where I got scraped and, and the time I was like, oh, that was weird, but it didn't really bother me that much. Um, and then it progressively kept getting worse. And so tried to put some, uh, some ointment on it and some band-aids on it. And then I had an allergic reaction to the band-aids and the ointment stuff that I put on it. So it got really, really bad. Ended up having to go to the doctor and get some uh, antibiotics and all this stuff, but uh, just crazy, man. I, you know, I had to get a tetanus shot too because he's like, "When's the last time you got a tetanus shot?" I'm like, "I don't, I couldn't even tell you. I have no idea." You Dude, know? that's crazy. So, yeah. so was it like? Is it? I mean, I'm not trying to gross the listeners out, right? But yeah. bad, like big. I mean, deep, it's uh, like... it's not that bad now. I'm just I'm looking at it now. It's not that bad. It's just really like very red and and just you know where the bandage was and everything it just it's just like this raw area right around the cut and then the cut area is kind of scabbing up a little bit and cleaning up so it'll be better it'll be fine but uh just a very freak weird situation man and and the the lesson i guess to be learned in that is just you know sometimes as a guy you know we get nicked and cut and scratched and we're like yeah whatever i don't care i gotta keep moving gotta keep working but Serious shit can happen. Bottom line, you know. I mean, I could have, I, I, I could have gotten a really, really bad infection. It could have gone south really quickly. So, uh, glad I went to the doctor and, and at least got it checked out and everything. Yeah, well, you know, people people make the biggest mistake all the time. I got a, I got a couple of friends where they refuse to go to the doctor when they're sick, and I'm like, you know, one, why not? And two, what are you paying for health insurance for? If you're not even gonna go. Fair point. You know. Yeah. Fair so. Point for sure. so so man, good good on you for going quickly, right? As I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people where, like, I don't want to go to the last possible minute right. because I'm like, no, I'm fine. You know, like my finger could be like hanging on by like oh, a little yeah. piece. Of, yeah. No, I'm good. It's gonna get better. I promise. You right. know, yeah, so. yeah. No, my my legs dangling off by by a limb, and it's like it it might be okay. Yeah, <laughs> it'll get better. I can yeah, still walk but- on it. Well, and the thing was, I was like, well, maybe it just looks worse than it really is. But then it started getting really, really bad. And I was like, no, there's definitely something wrong here. There's definitely something I need to get checked out. Um, So, again, I'm glad I went. And uh, now I'm on the mend. And um, thank you, everybody who are sending me text messages and and get well cards already. No, I'm just kidding. Nobody sent me a get well card. But but a nice little text message to say, I hope hope it gets cleaned up quickly. No, that's good. That's good, man. That's good. So do you have any events this weekend then? Weddings? Or I did. Yeah, I did. So, you know, that was interesting kind of navigating through those, but it was okay. No, no problems. No, no challenges. Um, I did a wedding on Sunday with this couple and, you know, anytime a bride at the end of the wedding tells you that it was a maze balls, you got to feel like you did a good job. Like, I don't, you know, I don't hear that phrase very often. Um, but it sounds like it's a really good phrase. And, um, and I, and I was happy about that. And the groom, it was kind of funny. The groom kept coming over to me like every, and he, and he literally was like every 30 minutes, he'd come over to me and be like, Hey man, this is your 30 minute reminder that this party's kicking ass. I'm like, All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, man. As long as you don't come back in 30 minutes and tell me otherwise, I think I'm doing the right thing. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. No, it, it's always nice to get like that validation of, of, you know, that you're doing the right things and that, yeah. right. Because Sometimes you look out and you see like a full crowd dancing. Sometimes you look out and you don't see a full crowd dancing, right? And you just don't know it. Like all of it. Sometimes you question yourself, like, mm-hmm. is this a party group or am I actually like really killing it right now? You know, and then the other weddings are like, am I a good DJ or is this just the, the dancers? You know what I mean? All these different like thoughts go through your mind. 
So it's always nice to get that kind of stuff. Actually, today I, uh, I ran out to get some lunch. And when I got back, my wife had told me that there was a thank you card up on um, my little desk that I, that I work on for my day job. Mm-hmm. And I get upstairs and it's a thank you card from a couple. But coolest thing, it was they literally sent it to me during their honeymoon. Oh, wow. From Croatia. Like they didn't even wait. Yeah, no, and and the only, and at first I thought, oh, they just got some right some postcards and just brought it back. No, like it's postmarked. You know what I mean? Yeah. From so I was like, gosh, that's like really nice to have people on their honeymoon, the yeah. time you probably shouldn't be thinking about anything else mm-hmm. other than that person to actually spend a moment, even just a just a quick moment, right? To write that little note on a postcard and send it to you was super right. cool. So you know, yeah, that was I mean, really just- nice. Just a testament to, you know, the hard work you put in and making sure you're providing a, a good service for somebody, man. You know, I mean, I think it's I think that's always good, you know. Um, yeah. And it, and it was funny. They, they put a little extra. Um, I don't want to say stress, but a little extra pressure on me because they were like, you know, we went to a wedding. It was so funny. They called me and they're like, we went to a wedding like two or three weeks ago. And here are all the things that we did not like about what happened at that wedding. And like listing. <laughs> and, and, I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't anything that crazy you know what i mean but sometimes it's just one of those things where you're like man i hope i really don't blow this one because they're they're you know like they're dialed in on what they don't want but it was a good party and and to your point about the non the no dancing thing like i I used to let that bother me when i was younger and then as i evolved and and kind of paid more attention i mean i know there's a dj out there somewhere that's going to argue with me about what i'm about to say but at the end of the day i honestly believe there are some groups that people are just not going to dance you know they're I, i I know specifically of some DJs who, you know, tout everybody dances at every one of my weddings. And I'm like, you know, that's not true. And I know that's not true because I know people who have worked at that, those events with you who have said that's not true. And it's not, it's not necessarily the fault of the DJ if people are not dancing. More importantly, just create a fun environment. If that means people dance, great. But if that means people are not dancers, but they still hear music they like, you still did your job. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this this week, so one of my weddings this weekend, Friday, um, there was a very big split among the guests, right? Half of them were, you know, religious in a way where they weren't going to dance, period. You know, and and the couple let me know that ahead of time, like I was prepared for it. They already had a smaller group. So I already knew going into it, like, hey, we're, we're not going to get all X number of these people up clearly so we're just going to work with what we get you know yeah. and we're just yeah. going to hit it and uh you know ended up being ended up being a great time both friday and saturday weddings for us went really well um totally different groups of people totally different like dance floor styles right totally different music which is always nice because you know there's always that group of weddings that you do every year where it's kind of par for the course with what they want to hear and they're you know they want those whatever those you know regular quote unquote regular wedding songs are. Yeah. But uh both of the both of the weddings we did this weekend were were cool. They were allowed me to be creative uh among, you know, providing me with some suggestions that were not par for the course in the wedding world. So it was really nice. nice. Um yeah, yeah, so it was a good time. What's going on with your Mets, man? I haven't even paid attention. Um so we just got done with a really rough stretch on the West Coast and and um we went 14 and eight total against some of the top teams in baseball. So success in my opinion, (laughs) you know, um, 
Of course, there's the sky is falling contingent of Mets fans, which are always <clears> going to be there because it's the Mets, and that's just what it is. But we got some good news today with DeGrom and Scherzer coming back soon, hopefully. And, you know, I mean, things are un- – until we're not in first place, like, I'm not going to – sky is falling yet. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But the Braves have won 12 straight. Yeah. Yeah, they've been they've been killing it. And <laughs> which, um, the Phillies. Good. Phillies have been on a tear, too. They got rid of Joe Girardi. Good on them. And they've pretty much been winning ever since. Yeah, they had nine straight, and then they took a loss or two. And But, they're, but overall, like, they're playing a lot better. Yeah. 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 No, that's not fun for me. But you know what? Like, we're still up, so I'll take yeah. it. I don't yeah, even have anything good to say about the Red Sox other than they've been winning. Okay, they've been getting a little bit better. Pretty bummed about the uh, the Celtics, man. I I really I don't know if you follow the basketball stuff too much, man. But I the game last night really kind of let me down. I it's just amazing to me to see how many um, how many just poor ball handling how much poor ball handling they were doing it just i don't know like at that nba level it just seems like you shouldn't be that bad at ball handling i mean i understand it moves fast the game moves fast and in arid pass and this that and the other thing i like i get that stuff but just bouncing it off their feet left and right i think a lot of it is just all this try to you know dribble between your legs and around your back and over your head and all this stupid shit like just go back to the good old old school way of playing yeah yeah basketball is an interesting sport right now you know it's like you've got it's funny too because it's almost like weddings right like you have this like transition into this more current quote unquote you know form of basketball just like you do weddings right so less people sitting down eating full-on meals more like you know all night graze grazing sessions with like much more dancing involved and a lot less of the formalities you know what I mean? It's the same thing with with basketball. It's kind of like progressed into something different. Um, yeah, I don't I don't like it either. I I miss some good hard nosed defense. I miss a lot. They they used to talk a lot more. They could get away with a lot more. Like, you know, everybody's so worried about people. I hate to say this because it's probably going to catch me a lot of junk, but it's a it's sports. Like, yeah. If you're taking it personally that you're getting crushed on the court and somebody's telling you about it then maybe you shouldn't play basketball. Maybe you're a little, maybe you need to toughen up a little bit. I don't know. That's I mean, fair. maybe it's just yeah. me. You know, there's definitely spots in the world where feelings, you know, should be considered. If you chose to hit, step out on a basketball court or a football field or a sport where that's just part of it, like Michael Jordan wasn't going to let you off the hook no. just since he's behind you. He was going to tell you all game long that he's torching you and yep. that you're terrible, you yep. know? In much more colorful language, clear. Of course. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, some of that stuff, you know, I just, it's just not, not my thing. Me and my wife argue about this all the time with my daughter. She plays travel, well, she plays travel basketball and, and, and pretty high level for high school around here. And um, she always wants to like fire back at these girls who are like talking to her on the court. And Kirsten's like, that's not how we behave. And I'm like, that is absolutely how we behave. And you can throw a couple of expletives at them too. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, people were tougher when you could trash talk for what that's worth. I don't know. I don't know. I feel you. Well, uh, I think we've taken up our allotted amount of time to talk about sports on our uh, wedding show tonight. So we'll we'll move forward. Right. So here's the deal. Uh, I'm really excited about tonight because one of my favorite topics to talk about is sales. And if you own a business, you have to do sales. And even if you have a sales department, you still have to know what the hell they're doing and know that they're doing it right. Um, sales is obviously an integral part of everything you do as a business owner. 
And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. And we're going to dive into some pretty interesting concepts um, with our guests tonight as it pertains to sales. And I think I think we're going to get not just us, but everybody listening and watching are going to get a lot out of this um, discussion tonight. So before we get started, as always, I'll, I'll read the bio of our guests and remind our watchers, our viewers, if you uh, want, want to comment or ask a question, please be sure to do so. Obviously, if you're watching us on YouTube, if you if you are not a subscriber to our YouTube channel, we ask that you do. And uh, again, feel free to, to jump in the comments and let us know who you are, where you are, and why you are. And um, just a real shameless plug thing real quick. One of my good longtime DJ friends, Eric Wenning, uh, out of uh, out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's his birthday today. So don't know if he's watching, but I still want to give him a shout out and say happy birthday to him um, today. So that being said, let's uh, let's dive into it, right? All right, so tonight's guest, Chandler Walker. Chandler started his entrepreneurial journey after graduating from the University of Nevada, Reno with a degree in biochemistry and forging, or excuse me, and foregoing, not forging, foregoing a medical <laughs> pathway to pursue a brick and mortar wellness facility. Those are two different things. Very two different <laughs> things. And I even looked at it and it said foregoing and I said, so said forging. Anyways, foregoing. He then pivoted <laughs> to an online health practice a year before the COVID lockdowns. After scaling both businesses to the seven-figure level, yes, you heard that right, the seven-figure level, and doing 3,000 to 4,000 sales consultations, Chandler was frustrated with the way sales were taught. He was tired of the old school objection handling, aggressive tactics, and salesy attitude taught by both sales trainers. So he locked, so he locked, excuse me, so he looked back at what he was doing, combed through all of his notes, and created compassion conversations. I like that. Compassion conversations. A therapeutic-driven, psychological-based sales system centered around compassion and care. Chandler has taught over 3,000 people a system of compassion conversation and has the goal to change and redefine the landscape of sales altogether. Chandler also invests regularly in the crypto market and bought your... Uh, I don't even know how to say this. I'm, I'm terrible. Ethereum, is that right? Ethereum? I th yeah, I think so. I'm so yep. terrible. Ethereum, when it was $15, oh my gosh. 20,000% increase, turning $250 into 50K. Look at this guy making money left and right. I love it. All right, without further ado, <laughs> let's bring him on to join us. Chandler, welcome, buddy. What's up, guys? Happy to be here. Super excited to chat sales and everything in between. And crypto, whatever else comes about tonight. First and foremost, let me apologize to you for butchering up that uh, that bio. Usually I do a little bit better than that, but I was not on my game tonight. I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. You win some, you lose some. And so maybe this Fair is the point. one you lost. <laughs> so I, I got I to know. Hold on, I got to know before, because this is just for all those listeners out there. Is, is crypto going to rebound? Because it's, it's dipping right now. Oh, yeah. Like for me right now, we're at these bottom levels. Like I'm scooping it up. And my philosophy is like this. Everybody wants to FOMO at the top and that's when I'm selling. And everybody wants to sell at the bottom when they're panicking and that's when I'm buying. And that's like the wealth cycle. You take smart money takes the money away from the people who don't necessarily know what's going on. So for me, yeah, it's like anywhere from 30K down to like 14, I'm in. Let's buy this game. I mean, we can scoop up. So this is like me buying Ethereum at $15. It's like the golden opportunity that most people will be too afraid to tackle. So, so what's, the, what's the two or three? I, I know this is a totally different thing than what we're talking about. Okay. I just got to know. Because it's like it's been all over my Facebook today. People just like, buy the dip, buy the dip. What, what, are the, what are the two or three cryptos that you would tell people – 
to invest in if they wanted to invest right now? Yeah, I think for regular people, the two I would say are buy Bitcoin and buy Ethereum. Not financial advice here. I'm not a doctor. I can't tell you where your belly button is, but I can tell you kind of where it's located. So what I'm saying is if it were me and I was in someone's shoes and I didn't know what I was doing, I would be buying 60% Bitcoin and the rest Ethereum. Because then that sets you up for, say, Bitcoin rebounds up to 100K. You just made five times off your money from where it's at right now. Say Ethereum goes from 1K to 10K. You just made 10 times your money just investing in those two little things. Love oh, it. We just we just stop right now with that, right? There you go. I think I think Chandler froze up for a second there. Oh, there he is. He's back. He's back with us. Yep. So, man, that's that, that's some good advice right there, right? All right. So, <laughs> right, I had to. Yeah. So, one of the things that that you know you brought up, Chandler, as we were talking before, is this concept of detaching from the need to sell, and I, I love I love that thought process. Um, Share with our listeners and our viewers a little bit about your approach to that process because detaching from the need to sell, I love that. Yeah, when you think about detaching from the need to sell, you kind of think about human dynamics. And this is like if you go on Tinder and you just like start texting people, everybody's going to swipe away. You want to get people to swipe towards you. And, and so we have to understand the dynamics of human relationships. If I come in there with commission breath and I'm attached to the sale and I want it and I'm asking you and I'm really like begging for it, you're going to push away and you're not going to want it as much. It's like I had an experience at a used car dealership a long time ago. I'm sitting there looking at the cars. The guy comes out and he says, what can I do to get you to buy today? And I'm like, maybe ask better questions. I don't know. I'm not sure what to do. And I don't know what to do with my hands right now. And so that's what we want to avoid. We want to put ourselves in a place where I get on the call and I'm not, I don't care. Like I've spent time before the call thinking about it, moving myself into a neutral pathway and moving myself away from the need and into the concept that I'm here to serve this other human being. I'm here to ask this person questions, identify what the real problem is and help them understand and see themselves in the solution. And then when they say they want to buy and they actually want it, I tell them, well, maybe you shouldn't do this. I mean, why would you want to do this? So I'm pushing them away so much that by the end of it, they're like, for the love of God, dude, just let me buy this thing. And they want it really bad. I love that. And you know what? I, I think I think it's really key to think about the important thing that you said there, or at least what I feel like is the most important thing you said there, which is I'm here to serve these people, whoever they are, that reach out to you for the thing that it is that you do. And, and I think people m- miss that. I think people think this is what I do and I want to do it for for whoever my way the way that I want it done, the way that I think it should be done. And people totally miss the point of you're, you're supposed to meet your client at their needs, not convince your client to be meeting you at yours, right? And so I love, I love that change in mindset because like you said, traditionally, everybody just wants to push the sale. And I love the way that you kind of flip that on people. Yeah, it's, it's great because then when people get into an interaction with you, their sales resistance, which is usually like this high, it's like a brick wall, goes down. And all of a sudden they can look over and they're like, okay, maybe this guy isn't a jerk. Maybe he's not just here to sell sell me. And they lean in and they lean in deeper and closer and closer and closer. And as you lean out and lean away and focus on not wanting it and asking questions, solving those problems and telling them maybe they shouldn't buy and stuff like that, it puts them in this place to where they don't understand how to interact in a sales in this situation because it doesn't seem salesy anymore. It seems like it seems like my concept here is what I call the smart dummy. They're like, oh, look, Chandler's just a, he's, he's a dummy. He doesn't really know me. he's trying hard though. He can't be really trying to sell me. And so it moves you in this dynamic to where they really believe you care. And they might believe maybe you're not very good at sales, which drops their guard. Yeah, that's, that's a great point there. I, I, 
I actually had a very similar situation today and I was talked to a couple about an event coming up in October and great conversation. They asked me all the right questions. I asked them all the right questions. Um, we got to kind of the end of the conversation and, and, and sort of to your point, I don't really ever ask for the sale. And again, I know some salespeople will tell me, oh, that's a terrible, you should always ask for the sale, blah, blah, blah. Um, but you know, I was like, we were kind of done and I was like, all right, let me know if you need anything else. And they're like, oh, oh, wait a minute. Are you going to send us a contract? I'm like, do you want me to send you a contract? I <laughs> didn't want to be presumptuous, but if you'd like me to, I'll absolutely be happy to do that. Um, so it's interesting to hear you say that because I feel like I was kind of diving into that a little bit today without even knowing. Yeah, I think it's huge. And I'll do the same thing. And I think that's super important in that aspect. Instead of getting to the end and being like, so you're ready to go? Let me assume the sale. Visa or MasterCard or the idea if they cry, they buy. You move into this idea of you're about, you're done. Hey, that's all I have for today. What do you want to do from here? And mm -hmm. then people are like, hold on, can I, can I buy this thing? Well, I don't know. Is that what you want to do? It's your choice. And so it changes the whole dynamic, which I think is incredible. Yeah. So, so let me ask you a question about this a little bit. Like what, what made you identify this as, as uh, a pathway to, to gaining more sales, right? Cause this is the complete opposite thing from like what everybody tells you. So what was that thing? What was that light bulb moment or what, what was it that you did that kind of made you identify, wait a minute, I can take a different approach to this and have more success. What was that thing? Yeah. So originally uh, my, I, myself, an, I am an obsessive biochemist. Like I get obsessed with things and processes when they frustrate me. And so I, we opened, we had our first brick and mortar business, which is what was a health-based business. And so the idea was to help people in six pillars of wellness, mental health, social health, sleep, nutrition, fitness habits. The price point was fairly high. I think originally it was like $1,500. And then after that, it was like 3,200 and we kept pushing it up. And I had to learn how to sell this thing to consumers who didn't see it, who saw it as like a, it was a, there was a cost associated with it. And so as I was going through it, I was hiring sales trainers and they were like, you gotta, you gotta push them. You gotta pressure them. You gotta be a little aggressive at the end. And you, if it, the call doesn't start until objections. And I was like, okay, number one, I started this business to like help people and now I'm manipulating them. So I feel like a fraud. And now I, I just don't know what to do with my life. So I started looking at the mental health side of things we did in that business. I was like, okay, what if I took the concepts of cognitive behavior therapy, motivational interviewing, acceptance commitment therapy, and I took all of these real psychotherapeutic concepts and I put them in a sales process. And so I started moving that stuff over and I was like, all right, this might work. And I, then I started getting on calls with people and I was like, you know what? I don't feel so pressured. I'm not really pushing people anymore. I'm not trying to get the clothes. At this point, I'm just studying and practicing. And all of a sudden, my clothes rate started going up. And then I noticed something. I was like, you know what? If I sit here and I just kick my feet against the chair and I don't even care and I'm like smoking a cigar while talking to someone on the phone, they wanted a lot more. I was like, there's no pressure here. This is way better and this is way easier. They like me now. And that's that moment when I realized, you know what? Tradition. Think we might have lost him for a second and removing there. that aspect of the sale and people i think we lost you for a second there chandler um oh no there we're, you're you're back now well maybe just uh hit that last little part that i think that was the only thing we missed was that last little part if you remember where you were at 
Yeah, basically what I kind of realized was we put ourselves in this fake facade. We put ourselves in this environment where we have to pretend like we, we sell. We have, to pre- I have to sit here and read this script like this. Hello, how are you doing today? Okay, good to me. Okay, I got through rapport. Okay. And we have to get away from that. Just throw the script away and be like, hey, I'm going to be me and I'm going to get on this call and I'm going to work to help and serve this human being to see if I can solve their problem, ask them good questions, connect the dots to their past, find points of failure, figure out where success is and then present them exactly what I can do. And once I remove the pressure and recognize the process as a human process of connection, that's what changed the game for me. Interesting. Wow. I think, uh, I think sometimes people in sales don't always stop to think that just because you offer a service or a product, it doesn't mean that you are the solution for the person on the other end of the call. And um, that, that is a, I think that's a tough thing to address as a business owner because you want to feel like you're the best for everybody kind of a deal. But but the reality is sometimes you're just not. And I think that something that I heard in, in what you were saying about, you know, being comfortable and having a conversation and just um, no pressure, just a relaxed environment, it really lends to, and I talk about this so much that people probably get sick of hearing me talk about it, but it's because I still don't feel like it's sunk in yet, is the old business philosophy of people doing business with people that they know, like, and trust. And you're creating that opportunity to happen when you're not robotically regurgitating a a script or you're not diving in for the sale, diving in for the sale, diving in for the sale. You know, I, I understand some people have high pressure demands because maybe they work for a company and they have sales quotas they have to meet and this, that, and the other thing. But for a lot of us in this industry, you have the luxury of not being under such great pressure that you can have a little bit more fun with it and you can create this feeling of of, of all the things that you said, of just creating this feeling of like, hey, let's just have a conversation. Let's find out if we even connect in the first place. Because if we don't even connect, it doesn't matter what I sell. You know? Exactly. And what you're saying is perfect because when someone begins to know, they know you and you have touch points even before the sale, then they begin to like you and then they trust you. And what does that do? That removes fear. The biggest primary driver to why a human being won't purchase from you. It removes uncertainty. I don't know if this will help me and it removes doubt. And once you remove the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, now the human being on the other side sees you as a leader and someone worth following. And even more interesting, when we work with sales teams, because we've worked with big sales teams in like real estate and and some of these more higher higher pressure environments, even like insurance, I mean, imagine cold calling people 300 times a day. In those environments, what's really interesting is if they focus on this kind of stuff in the relationship, the person who doesn't buy comes back and buys when they're ready. And then what happens is these reps all of a sudden have this snowball impact of people coming back again and again and again, and they create this magical pipeline out of thin air of people who are coming back. So now their quotas go from, I don't need to make five sales this week cold. I have three of them already who showed up on Monday and were ready to go when I followed up on them. Yeah, no, I love that. And, and, and you touched on a, such an important, uh, important part of the sales process as well as understanding, number one, understanding what that process is, and then understanding um, that the way you ask your questions and the way you direct your conversation will help you discover where this person is in the buying process. I mean, if, if all they're doing right now is doing research and that's all in their mind they think they're doing, there's usually nothing you can tell them to make them buy. They're not ready to buy yet. So I think I think it was cool that you said that. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think to that point, one of the most important things you can do when selling or making sales is to connect with people before you even speak to them. So if you can get someone in a Facebook group, if you can send someone a little video of you talking through your stuff, if you have some sort of like little sales letter or something, anything of you showing and talking about what you do, the more touch points you have. And I think Dan Kennedy, one of the, maybe it was Dan, someone who's a really good copywriter said, you have seven or eight touch points before you talk to another human being, you've already established that no like and trust factor and you've already began to remove that fear, uncertainty and doubt. You know, and, and, and I think one of the really key things too, when, when you start talking about building that trust and that, and that, and that, um, you know, that trust factor with people is, is being able to listen to them, right? When you're talking about, um, when you're talking about trying to, uh, build a relationship, build a rapport with somebody that that's focused around you helping solving their problems or you helping giving them solutions. You really have to be able to listen very well. I, I personally, for, from my day job, we call it active listening. Me and David talk about that all the time on this show. Um, it, it's something that, that I, I feel strongly about. Um, but uh, you, you talk a little bit about it differently. You talk about becoming a level five listener. Can you explain that a little bit to us and what that means to you? Yeah, for sure. So there's basically five levels of, of listening. There's level one, which is basically ignoring people. They're talking and you literally just don't even pay attention. Don't give them the time of day. They get nothing. Then there's level two, which is like pretend listening. And that's when. Oh man, that was about to be good. So that's like, no, that's pretend, I'm pretending to listen. Which is basically I'm listening, but I'm only listening to respond with my rebuttal. So someone says like something about politics and your only response rather than listen to what that human being said was, you're stupid, you're wrong, I don't believe you, here's why. And so then the next level is level four listening, where I'm actually listening, I'm actively listening, so active listening, and I'm paying attention to what they say, I'm asking questions, I'm actually involved in the conversation. But what most people don't step into is level five listening. And what that is, is it's an empathetic understanding of what they're talking about. And that means removing my own personal bias, stepping outside of my own brain, my own heart and soul, and stepping into theirs. Actually asking yourself in the conversation, why did this person say this? Asking them why they said it. Trying to understand their model of the world, where they came from, and how they came to the conclusion of the decisions and reasoning behind what they're saying today. And then using that understanding to speak with them at such an intrinsic level that they think you know them better than they know themselves. You literally just took me from like Padawan Luke listening all the way to Jedi Master Luke listening with that. That that is that's an amazing thing to hear because that's a that's probably the one piece of listening and I've never heard anybody talk about it. So it's 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 awesome to hear. That's the one point of listening that I've never tried to do which was totally like remove Frank from that conversation and try to try to be as much that person as possible is a really interesting way of going about thinking about having those conversations. So what is the one or two things that you could tell somebody that they could do to help them attain that level five listening? What's the way that you're going to dive into that, that customer or that person that you're talking to? Yeah, I think the best way to talk about it is something I talked about a little bit ago, and that's being the smart dummy. It's understanding and recognizing that you can't assume what that human being is feeling. You can't assume what that human being just said, or you can't assume that you know. So when the person says, hey, I want to lose weight, for example, it's not, okay, cool, how much do you want to lose? It's, 
well, hold on. Tell me a little bit. Why do you think you want to lose weight? What's going on there? You want to move to understand the deeply held insecurities behind why this human being wants what they want. Why do they want to fit in this dress? It's not so they can, so they can look good and fabulous. It's so they don't look disgusting and, and terrible. And these are real words that we've heard from people. So we need to move into that understanding. And then once we step into that deep layer with another human being and they give you those deep reasonings, you work to connect the dots. Like how long have you felt this way? Why do you feel that? What's going on here? Why, why does this happen? It's a lot of questions. It's why. It's it basically putting yourself to a place to where you say, I don't know anything. I'm a dummy. So can you help me understand what you mean behind this? Mm. Wow. Yeah. I love, I love that idea of, of going, you know, that deeper, deeper level of question asking and that, that uh, you know, that just that, that approach of it's so great how the example you used was so great because I think we probably all, Maybe, you know, maybe obviously not had the weight loss conversation, but we've all been in that situation where, you know, hey, I want to lose weight. OK, that's great. Here's how we can help you lose weight without even knowing why, you know, that person want, wants this. In the front. Wow, that's so deep. Yeah, I think it's powerful because then you put yourself in a, a real position to where another human being will confide in you things that they've never told anybody they don't tell people, they don't talk about this stuff. As humans, and as we grow up, we're taught that any sort of insecurity you have needs to be held deep inside and you don't talk about it because you look weak or stupid. So if you help that person look strong for what they're saying and help them tell you the deeply held insecurities they have and can help allow them to confide in you and you don't judge them, that puts you in that this new level with this human being. It puts you in a place to where now they, they know, like, and trust you, but they respect you. Thank you for listening to part one of this episode. Be sure to tune in next time for part two on the Wedding Business Growth Podcast.